0: Hello, this is Friday Freestyling. Uh, I'm your host Sergio. Farth wasn't able to make it today. I would say he's in a better place, but he's definitely not. He is. I hope
1: he's resting. Not. In peace,
0: man. I hope he is uh, resting, but yeah, definitely not in peace. You know. <laughs> uh, uh. And I'm today our our guests are Jacobo Nieto. From um from Galicia and Peter Nikonowicz from Poland.
2: And aren't yeah. you like
1: a refugee, Peter? No. What are you talking um, about? No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just always feel like World War Two wasn't that long enough long ago and such. Like I don't know okay. how, how much it affected you. Uh-huh.
2: No, my grandparents were here before World War Two. Oh, really? Yeah. What,
0: what, what, did they get,
2: I, what did they get What did
0: they get here? No, what... Why did they get here?
2: Um, I don't know the story, but I don't know the story behind that. I have to... I have to ask my dad,
1: I guess. Those are really good stories. Finding out, like, how your family... Yeah. Can. yeah.
0: Especially... They're, they're, they're especially pleasant when they're after, like, the eighteen sixty Like, the 1860s. Mm-hmm. They're especially not... Bad. Bad yeah stories. yeah 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 yeah. but like more recent history uh jacob yeah. why did you uh so your parents came here right
1: yeah they came in 97 my mom followed my dad who had a residency in denver uh he wanted to get out of spain because for doctors um it's way better to work in america than in spain for many reasons um Spain has a, a sort of a public health care system that works well in some ways, but it really hurts the the medicine of the country, the medical the medical profession, and the, the biggest the, the people who suffer the most out of this are are the patients uh, ultimately. But my dad was really unhappy with everything going on there, and he came to America. They didn't plan on staying here for a very long time. What they did. In the end, but it's kind of funny because we just brought this up. My dad wasn't the first Nieto to come to America. My great grandfather in the 1910s um, emigrated from Galicia. He he just followed a friend to America. They get like I guess like they became 18 years old. His friend wanted to go to America, and he just followed his friend, and they worked in the docks of New Jersey for about 10 years. Uh, My great grandfather, my my grandfather, my great-grandfather, Augusto, August, um, he worked for 10 years in a Dachshund, New Jersey. He had an Italian girlfriend, and he had to leave because he got mixed up with the mafia there. And that's a true story. His boss told him to leave town or else the mafia would kill him and to come back someday. Well, you know, he never did. He stayed around in Spain. You know, he lived his life there. And my dad was born there, but my dad came to America to... To continue. No, this is completely true. This is completely true. I can see Peter from my from my bathroom doubting the story. But this is true. And then my dad came back to America to finish what my great grandfather started.
2: That's crazy.
0: And did he explicitly say this? Or 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 is that how you feel?
1: Oh no, my dad's never said he he finished what my great grandfather started, but I feel like yeah. I do feel like my dad finished uh, or continued his story where my great-grandfather left it off.
0: That's very interesting. Um, My parents came with me, actually. I came with my parents. Um, I came initially when I was like one because like the driving reason for any immigration, right? work and then went back to Mexico and then three years later we came back I was like four to San Antonio actually for like a year nice. and then we moved to Houston for work every time it was for work right
1: you guys went back to Mexico or your parents went back to Mexico for work also
0: no we went back to Mexico because we had like a like a, we had like land there right? and hey but home like that was our home we had a we had we had a home we had when we when we when we went back we had um like the way that some like small stores in mexico are are arranged is that the front of the house is a store yeah. right of the home and the back of the home is your home so we will sell we'll sell like beer and, and, and chips and all that. It was like a convenience store, right? And people would pass by. It was like a road. It wasn't even paved. I don't remember. Like, I don't think so when I was there. Uh, but it was a, a, like a road and people would pass by. And they would like buy stuff. And I remember fondly that, you know, those like uh, pacifiers that are like rubber, like a yellow rubber. And they have honey inside. Or like like a, some, like some they have um, corn syrup in it inside. And well, what I would do, and they come like in this like row, like a package of a row, right? And I would get them, and I would bite, bite the pacifiers, right from the store. I would just get them, and then I would, I would bite the pacifiers and drink the corn syrup from the inside. And then I did not know, and this might be false. This, uh, it might not be corn syrup, right? But I did not know it was corn syrup until, um. Years later, like years later, like I was making, I was making something. I was trying to make something like a sweet, like when I was in middle school or high school, a sweet that required corn syrup. And I tasted the corn syrup because I never tasted corn syrup, like not by itself. And oh, and it just brought back those memories. Oh, the inside of the, of the pacifier is corn syrup, right? And yeah.
1: Had you thought about that memory at all before you tasted the, the corn syrup many years later?
0: I had thought about, yeah, I would think about it, but I would not really think about the flavor. I would just Mm. think about me just not knowing the, not knowing what was going on really. And me just, you know, being a child, that's what I remembered. Being kind of oblivious to the situation, you know, the financial struggles, the, the stress that was brought upon my family. Uh, but but you still feel it, right? It's in the air. It's kind of, a, uh, it's very subliminal and, and like most, like even like a dog would feel it, I feel like. They they understand um, when something is wrong. And I feel like, and I feel like I understood that something, somehow I understood something was wrong, even though I was innocent and, and, on a much more real sense, oblivious, right? Because I didn't understand, but that's what I remember.
1: But kids accept all the hardship. Like they they have no trouble accepting things that like when we're older are very awkward or tense or very troubling. Kids will like, like what you said, like you were aware in some way, like you knew like things were tough, but like, I mean, did you feel like you had a problem with it? Did you feel like it was tough on you?
0: Um, actually, that's a very interesting point. I did not. And I, and I always think about that because I think power, the feeling of powerlessness when you're a child, definitely it's like a, it's like a warm blanket, right? Because you can't do much about it, about the issues around you. It's like, oh, it's just how I'm going to live. But I've noticed that the more opportunities you have, the more chances that you have to fix something, to do something and you don't get to do it or you regret not doing it. Um, the more you dwell on it, right? Because you could do it. It's just the concept of of uh, being able to do it. Sometimes we don't even want to do something, right? But the fact that that uh, it, that is taken away from us when when we grow up, having it uh, been there, right? So maybe like uh, with the quarantine, right? Maybe maybe uh, we we weren't very uh, we weren't the people that would go out a lot. But the fact that we can go out now is still bothersome, right? Because we can't it's just a concept. Yeah. It's just a concept. Yeah, the concept of it. This uh, actually so I just remembered when I was in high school, I in my neighborhood, in my old neighborhood, there was a there was a like a white husky, right? This old, like, beautiful white husky, but it was always dirty, and it looked sometimes it was clean, but sometimes it was it just looked like it went into a, like, into a ditch and just swam in there with the tadpoles and all of it and like all, all the uh, Houston guck, uh, right, and when I would, when I would come home from the from high school, where the bus would drop me off. It would follow me. And for the first, I don't know for how long it followed me. Maybe for like months it followed me. Maybe a year. I don't know. But it followed me. And for the first like for a while, I was just scared of it, right? Somehow, for some reason, I knew that I, I was convinced that it was there to hurt me. When when the dog never intended, never did anything for me to believe that it that it was going to hurt me. Like it was just the fact that. I think that the husky, such a beautiful and priced dog, right? That it was loose, um, that it was loose, and it looked kind of and had like a couple of scars here and there. The fact that it was loose, it—it it, uh, it made me very—is the word wary? weary? weary,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: of of it, right? Because it's just something strange. Like there's no way, like it's too good to be true, right? That this husky is just following me around to follow me around. And then so I was just avoided, right? Sometimes I would give it food, so he was stand in front of my house. Like I would just avoid it, right? Avoid the husky. And 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 there was this sort of uh sort of tension between us without there having to be any tension because the dog didn't do anything to me but follow me. Right? It was intrigued by me. He wanted to be with me. Um and honestly, like I shouldn't have had any problem with with a dog following me. He was just following me he wasn't asking me for anything he wasn't uh, like hurting me or harassing me or anything he was just i guess he just wanted companionship but every time i i, I sort of turned him away right i turned him away every uh, every time right every time i i met the dog and i don't know i, I feel like his his uh I feel like I shouldn't have behaved that way towards the dog, you know, I should have been more, more accepting of its of it's, uh, I guess, need for companionship. Uh, it was just a lonely dog looking for friends, right? God knows what had happened to that dog, right? It had these little scars here and there. It was dirty. Something happened to the dog. And, um, yeah, just because I was, uh, I guess, uh, Bewildered by the dog, it having not done anything to me, it just it made me very uncomfortable, and it made me uh be more more inclined to reject the dog for no for no real reason. And then later, I found out later I found out that uh like the neighbors like two doors down were the owners of the dog, but the dog would just go away, like somehow it would just break loose over and over again, so they just gave up. And the dog would come back and forth. So at some point, they just let him go. And I don't know. For some reason, that brought peace to me. The fact that the dog had an owner mm. and and nothing really weird had happened. It was just someone gave up on the dog. thought so that was very interesting. Just someone gave up on the dog. And the dog was just looking for companionship for help for what anybody really is looking for you know yeah so to any huskies out there like that (laughs) i apologize to you and hope you're doing well how are you doing peter
2: i'm doing all right um well it's just interesting to be here. I've only, I've only heard one episode from you, but yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> and no problem. Was that was that uh, vlog? Was it? Was that like always on your mind? Like every time you walked home from school? Like was it like a long walk? Like, like it was.
0: was it was like one hundred meters.
2: It was not too bad. It
0: was not, very yeah, exactly right. It was not that bad, but I, but I but I. I just, I uh, exacerbated the problem just because the dog was weird and lonely, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: let's, uh, let's gather our thoughts. Okay, if Jacob was going to say something.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, that story made me think of the many times I've seen someone and they look lonely and kind of like they need something. And I just judge them as like pathetic and I don't I don't talk to them and just like losers in my mind for a long time. Based off like one impression maybe. Literally just to my mind are imprinted on me like that. And I'll judge everything they do based off of that impression, how it fits into that into what I think of them.
2: I mean, I, I I see that. Like that's that's tough, right? I mean, that's like walking into like the your stereotypical like high school or like university, like lunchroom, and you see like one person sitting alone and your friends aren't there and you can kind of make the decision to be like, you can go back to your room, eat your food. You can go eat with them, or maybe you can take another table and be lonely or you can go and like try to be companion to this person. And I feel like nine times out of 10, I would probably just go back up to my room and be alone by myself.
0: Uh, th- they actually, uh, put up a couple of points. Jacob, first Jacob, um, how, why do you think that when a, when, when your first impression of a person is like them being in need or somehow being broken in your mind, right? How does that, why, why, it? why that being the first, uh, the first impression of them kind of ch- turn you away from them? When let's say that you meet a person, right? And they're in a, like in a good place and you just become friends. You're still going to be there for when they are in need, mm. Right yeah so so it's two cases you meet a person when they're in need and they kind of throw you off and you meet a person when they're doing well but since you're friends now you're going to be there for when they're in need it's very interesting how that works right yeah
1: that's exactly it yeah i think part of it is a sense of pride that you know like i know i'm not perfect by any means i don't think i'm like not broken in some way but if i look at someone and i can tell that they're broken it's a sense of like okay well I'm not as fucked up as then. I don't want to like it's just a sense of like and it's it's that coupled with the fact that it's so hard uh, to be what someone else needs. Yeah. Especially when you don't know them, like and not even be like a therapist or anything like that, you know, like some kind of life-changing figure. Just being like even like like the most basic friend like that it's like it's such a like self-denying act and it's so generous that it's like very hard for me i don't want to like generalize maybe i'm a sociopath but it's like such an act of giving that it's like i just turn away from it very easily
0: it actually segues to what i was gonna ask peter um is it because you don't want y'all or like me too? Cause I've done that. Right. I've just looked the other way a lot of times, but is it because you don't want to invest the energy because you think it's, do you think it's not worth it? Or do you think you're not worth it? Like, do you not, you're not good enough to maybe like mm-hmm. provide what they need.
2: So I guess, I guess the, there's a few thoughts that would go into my head. I guess first is I'm, um, I'm pretty much, I'm usually, I'm a very like shy person in general. Like I'm not someone to approach someone and like start a conversation with someone I've never met. That's very hard for me to do. Um, And also, I guess, I guess I'm kind of a logical thinker. I know that there's a lot of people who find comfort and like solace in being alone and they're happy with that. And that in my mind would tend to compete and probably win over. Maybe I should go, and be a friend to this person and see what's going on there and invest myself and maybe like a relationship will develop whether that be like a friendship or just someone say someone to say hi to or check in with every now and then i think in the moment i generally uh my shy side takes over and if i were to look back at that situation i would say oh well that person was just happy in the moment and everyone kind of has their own, like, maybe maybe they looked awkward, right? But, like, I probably look awkward to a lot of people. I probably have awkward body language. <laughs> so, they. I, I don't know what's going on through their mind, if they really need someone or not to be their friend in that moment.
0: Um, but, so, let's say that you approach them, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What's the, and maybe they turn you down what's the worst that can happen? They just turn you down, right? Right. So does it boil down to embarrassment?
2: I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, maybe, or it's like, um, the fear of the worst possible scenario is, is embarrassment. Or maybe it's kind of, they see it as, um, an intrusion of their own space. Um, or maybe it's like what you said before, whereas I'm just acting out of like laziness and I don't want to put in effort to um, try and build that relationship or see what's going on with that person.
0: I see. Do you ever feel uh huh? I was Did gonna, gonna say it? like
1: if you saw your own friend, like someone you knew, not like your best friend, but someone you were friendly with and there were comments and it looked like that, would you sit with them?
2: Yeah, I think, I think there's plenty of people who, so if I was, if I was in that situation, right, where I feel like I've actually been in that situation because like my, my main friend group is off campus this semester, right? So I don't see them very often. So, um, if someone were to wave to me or they said hi to me earlier in the day, or we had a brief conversation that, that little, like grain of like a relationship that we've formed is enough for me to make the effort to go and sit with them if I see them. Um, But if it was just a totally random person, that's, that's a huge leap for me to make that I often wouldn't.
0: Okay. So I guess that the, that the issue with for you is planting the seed, right? Yeah. It's like the initial contact. I see
1: it's true what you said about like just saying hello, or like a like a little conversation, is something that can lead like to the next time taking a bigger step, like sitting with them at a lunch table when it's kind of awkward. Whereas without those smaller moments, it's so much harder to. But those little moments where it's like take like no energy at all in a moment, just like saying hi, like just even thinking about it.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: Do you ever feel like, do you ever feel like you haven't reached out to enough people? Like you're missing out? Like you get, you could be exposed to a lot of people or the, or do you just prefer leaving, it, just
2: leaving it as it is? To be, I, I talked to, um, I talked to the magister because uh, I was debating about whether or not to stay on campus. Right. Cause the regulations um, about the culture of care agreement were coming out that, my plan was I was gonna live on campus and pretty much for all my social activity, I would leave campus and go hang out with uh, my friends at their off-campus house. But obviously the <laughs> the guidelines that Rice has set has made that very hard to do. And so that has opened the door for me to interact with a lot more people that I wouldn't have formed relationships with like, um, like Joe, he's a sophomore. I see him almost every day. We eat like probably like two out of three meals most days together, and I don't. I don't think that's like that's a very unique relationship, and I think that ties back to like um, COVID and quarantine. How it it really uh, it draws on different. It affects everyone in a similar way, but we all get different experiences out of it, right? So not everyone is at a university that's open but those of us who are, we have to find a new way to socialize and the way we socialize might not be with the people that like me who we're used to socializing with and we have to branch out our friend groups. Um, But you also might be someone who is stuck at home um, and alone. And in a way, a lot of us are alone now because of quarantine and COVID, but um, that might be the main effect for them. And they find out something personal about themselves in in their own head right that being alone um whether that be like a new passion or that they miss out on a certain relationship in their life right so it may be like that one friend that they didn't really think so much about was actually super important to maybe like their mental health or just being there for them but now that that is out of the picture they realize how valuable that is to them
0: that's the husky man
2: that's the husky,
0: you know. Yeah, we have to be thankful for those huskies in our life. Um, I was also thinking
1: just, kind of, uh, no, but uh-huh. about what you said about being thankful for the huskies. That's kind of the deal with the huskies, though. That in the moment, like you're not grateful for the huskies at all. They're kind of annoying, and in your scenario, they're they're potentially dangerous.
0: Yeah, so I'm not saying I'm not saying I mean it. It would be nice for the for them to know that they're they're a positive yeah. they're a positive impact, but at least in retrospect, right? I appreciate them. And next time, do you see a husky, maybe, you know, see the beauty in them?
1: Yeah, that's true, man. Let's go. That's true.
0: We're gonna take an an, an uh a music break and intermission just for a minute. I'm glad it was dance at the end. We can, we can marinate uh, in our thoughts and then come back.
2: Okay. Sounds good. I don't write because I don't think. I
0: don't have the need to speak. I don't see the bright side quite as clear. Accolades and happy days, they don't ever last. Stories of courage, clouded up with fear. In the broom grass, I would lie, glimmer in my eyes. Some smile back on me, from victory i tried.
2: Eternal life how I led my life before I was
0: for to retreat from victory I accept defeat. Waxy green yellow wall. Huh? That's beautiful, man. Jacob, how does that song make you feel?
1: I love that song. Everything about it is amazing. Who wrote that? Or who sings it?
0: Oh, yeah. This song is called Victory by the Avid Brothers. Please don't copyright us. <laughs> we are not monetized. We are We're not. I'm just a small
1: businessman.
0: No, we're not no we're, kind of business. A no, we're
1: no kind of business at all.
0: Yeah. Do you do you uh, frequently listen to the lyrics of a of a song? Or do you just vibe with the music?
1: No, I try to listen when I can. Interesting. If I can understand the lyrics.
2: I, generally generally speaking, I feel like I'm drawn in by the melody. And then you kind of get the, the deeper understanding later on when you start listening to, them, to the lyrics and you get a greater appreciation for it. But there are, I mean, there are a few songs where I feel like you're drawn in by the lyrics themselves, and then the melody follows. But I feel like nine times out of 10 it's the melody.:
1: I think the song that for me, I like purely for the melody is "Stir-fry" by Migos. The beginning, I love it so much. It's so good. But I don't know why, what's like what they're talking about with stir fry. What is it, like <laughs> drugs or sex or something? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm looking at Pete, but I don't know. Like, I, I mean, I I like the bidding so much. It sounds amazing. Like even the way they say stir fry the lyrics. But I don't understand it at all.
2: I feel like I feel like for most pop or like rap, like pop pop rap songs, I'm in it for the melody. Unless it's like something very meaningful, like if it's like Nas, like some, like some old Nas music, like I'll, I'll read deep into the lyrics. Uh, it's it's a very nice feeling
0: when you just listen to a to a song for like maybe years, right? And you never really pay attention to the to the to the lyrics, and then you you find out what the what the lyrics mean. Mm-hmm. And then, you, then you think about oh wow, like all these experiences that I had
1: hmm.
0: while listening to this to the to uh, to this song could have been maybe like uh, more more heightened if I had understood the lyrics with it. But maybe 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 the memories were the memories were good because I did not understand the lyrics and it was just just music that complemented the vibe that I was uh, feeling, right? So you can go either, you can go both ways.
2: I, I understand, right? So like when you're talking more about like the the, the corn syrup and like the, the pacifier things, I feel like oftentimes like it depends on my mood when I first hear the song and what my mood is when I listen to that song and how I feel about the future, right? So if like I can think of a times in high school when like I was feeling down and I listened to like an upbeat song, then later on in life, if I listened to that same upbeat song, I would, it would read, it would like, it would dig up those feelings of being down. It's mm. very interesting.
0: What's the, what's the one song that yeah, I could, that you can think about right now that has the most, like as the, uh, like uh vivid memories
2: attached to them. Probably probably some of like those two thousand top songs, like I don't know. Something they would play at like a like a middle school party, you know? I see. That that draws on that draws on like a lot of like positive memories. Like some old Like 2000s, mid 2000s pop. Like the songs they play, like um, Y2K. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, listening to those songs is a lot of fun. Because you know the lyrics from like a decade ago and you still know them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Like Replay. Oh, God. Oh, man. (laughs) A song that's like that for me is Somewhere Only We Know by Keen.
0: Oh, my God. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, definitely that song.
1: It's like a song, like the lyrics are are meaningful enough, but it, they're not like hidden by a lot of metaphors or artistic license, right? It's like in the moment, even when you're that young, you can still understand, but it's like, oh, my God. It just means so much back then. It's, it's a cool song. Keen did a good job.
2: What was what was like the Jacob? What was like the first like like deep song you like you like really read into? You know, like the lyric lyric wise.
1: Oh, I tried to read the first one. I tried to read a lot into was Wonderwall because it's kind of like a meme, but it's like very ingrained into popular cultures. Like uh like exactly the, a deep song and I'm trying to understand it, but I didn't really because I didn't know what they meant by Wonderwall. Mm. What about you, Sergi?
0: I think I was gonna say something like. It's like some like rappers that I used to listen to when I was in middle school, but actually now like I remember, I think definitely "Summer Only We Know." There's ex- there's there's especially one performance. I think it was a 2005 performance that I like watching because it just reminds me of when I was with my single digits. Uh, mm. He did just like this stuff there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's called "Keen Summer Only We Know" live eight 2005 on YouTube.
1: 2005
0: yeah. dude. 2005 and i like watching that performance because i mean you can tell like the fashion was horrible the haircuts the haircuts like horrible like but the people looked it, it just looked simpler back then like there were not many phones i don't think there were any phones because people were carrying out like iphones in 2005 really like that much uh i don't remember the video very very vividly but like not the audience but it just gives me a sense of simplicity because that's going back to just being a child. is Really, just, it's more simple. Life is more simple. There are less elements, right, that you consider. Yeah. And it just makes me think of uh, where I was and all that I have done and uh, and all that led me to where I am. It makes me think about that. Yeah. Do you ever feel... Do you ever feel that, you know, like with memories, even after the deal is done, right? Even after the event is done and you keep thinking about the memories, does it feel like they keep forming, like they evolve
2: and it becomes something else? I mean, I I think I get what you're saying, but I know that that's like an actual thing, right? You can have like the falsification of... um memories i think there's a famous psychology study um i think it deals with it as participants like where they were on um nine eleven. and somehow i think it was a like a longitudinal study i'm not sure if i'm right but i think it's they kind of ingrained these memories and these people where they were like their memories evolved way after the event because they kept recalling them so you can have like where people can give you like a false like a false memory or a recollection like um, you can imagine like going to Disney World when you were little but maybe that never happened and you just keep thinking about it and thinking about it and maybe like someone encourages you to think about it more like they're messing with you but then it just becomes part of your own memory that you had this whole experience in your head that never actually happened.
0: Yeah. That's so that's, that's like a memory that it's, I guess like it's stationary in time, right? It just changed. It just, what happened at that specific time, at that sliver of time changes, right? But like I'm more talking about, let's say that you had like a, that you had like a nice, Time with a group of friends right and then for some reason like you stop talking to the group of friends and then you think about oh like oh, um, uh today we, we could have done this right but i can't anymore because i don't have access to that group of friends this could be anything it could be maybe your parents just any type of relationship right but then so so you so now now you create this false memory right, and you know it's kind of false right. But now, like now, these things are happening. You know, so so these things are happening in your head, right? That oh we, uh, we could have experienced this and that, and the next time you think about it, you keep adding to the memory, and it's almost like and it's almost like those people are still living with you, right, and interacting with you. Until somehow it, it just becomes harder and harder for you to form new memories. And then the, the little, like, I uh, guess you can call them, like, uh, the connections die off, right? And then that's what, for like, letting go is, I guess. But does that ever happen to you? That you create new memories of, like, hypothetical situations and you pick up on the memories and they keep growing. I think I know you what, what you're talking
1: about. about. I think I know. Yeah, yeah, I mean go ahead, Pete.
2: I was just gonna say yeah, I, I think I know what you're talking about, but I can't I can't think of a example off the top of my head.
1: I don't know. I wouldn't say it happens a lot, but I think like it has happened where you don't have the relationship with someone that you used to and you think of them. And they mean so much to you that like you can't stop thinking about what you used to have with them. So that like every new experience you have, you somehow like bring it back to them. Like, oh, what if they were here? What if I could tell them about it? And so in that way, like they become part of that memory of what happened, without them being there, without them having anything to do with it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, they kind of they're still present, right in in your in your. Yeah in certain events
1: i like you said about like letting go is when you lose that connection with them in the present where you're no longer thinking like man i wish they were here
0: yeah yeah because it's hard to place them in your current life because now they're not compatible anymore right
1: yeah exactly they're just not compatible through reality anymore they would have no place in in where you are now
0: yeah it's very interesting all right um, it's 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 time to to wrap up I feel like that's a good place to stop um, thank you guys for being here thank uh, you being here in general you know but uh, thank you for coming to the podcast I will play I will play a song for y'all And this song is called "Sea of Lettuce." No, no, this called this song is called "Leave You Alone" by Sea of Lettuce. Parth told
1: me about this. Shout out Parth. Hey, am I right? Free him! Free him! Free him! him A lot,